Starring Edward Arnold and written by Gene Holloway. <laughs> Mr. President at home in the White House, the elected leader of our people, our fellow citizen and neighbor. These are little known stories of the men who have lived in the White House. Dramatic, exciting events in their lives that you and I so rarely hear. True human stories of... Mr. President. And now, see if you can name the president upon whom this episode is based. It's a chilly spring day in Washington. The president had just brought a visitor to see his invalid wife, who seldom left her upstairs room. No. It can't be. I don't believe it. It's him, my dear. Take a good look. Yes, it really is, Jefferson. Jefferson Davis, how nice of you to visit us. It's my pleasure, ma'am, and it's good to see you again. <laughs> Treat him with respect, Peggy. He's a senator now. Respect, indeed. <laughs> I remember you, Jefferson, when you were a green lieutenant fresh out of West Point. And my son-in-law. A very undesirable one, too, I'm afraid. Oh, it wasn't you, Jefferson. We didn't want our daughter to marry an army man. I wanted to spare her the hardships my wife had to endure. But it never does much good for parents to disapprove. You know what happened. All three of our daughters married army men. <laughs> I guess they decided if they could be as happy with an army man as their mother, they had nothing to fear. Well, parents are old fogies when young people are in love. Well, I loved Knox very much, ma'am. She was very much in love with you, too. I still have the letter she wrote from the plantation in Mississippi. Well, you we were wonderfully happy there. We had three months together. Then, when the fever took her away, I wandered about like a crazy man. It was a bitter blow to us, too. Oh, so much has happened in the last 13 years. Yes, the wars are over, and we're both out of uniform, and you are the president. And you're a senator. <laughs> I don't know how you feel, but I was happier in the Army. Not I. I want no more of war. It's brutalizing and solves nothing. Well, let's hope there'll be no more wars in our time. No one joins you in that hope more devoutly than I do, but it's a forlorn hope, sir. The greatest struggle of our existence lies ahead. War is inevitable. No, no, no. North and South must compose their differences. While I am president, I promise you there will be no war. But it's bound to come, sir. If not in your turn, then in another's. The only way to stop it is for the two sections of the country to part. Never, sir. There are two sections of one body, Jefferson. Cut them apart and the body suffers and dies. I can't agree. Fold up the Union flag and we'll avoid civil war. This is secession talk, sir. And I'll have none of it. By the eternal, this Union must be preserved. Mr. President, Jefferson, are you coming to blows after all these years? <laughs> blows? No, no, my darling. Jefferson is too influential a man in the Senate for me to fight with. I'm only trying to get him to see things my way. Oh, I wish I could, sir. I don't like to advocate a parting of the ways for the states, but I think it's the only way to prevent war. We are friends, though, in spite of my views. Oh, of course, my boy. And we must uh, see much more of each other, too. Well, thank you, sir. It'll be a privilege. Jefferson, you're not rushing off already, are you? Afraid I have to, ma'am. I have a committee conference in a few minutes. Well, do come back again. It's been so nice to see you. Thank you. And I've enjoyed this reunion. Goodbye. 
Goodbye, Jefferson. Goodbye. Such a fine young man. I'm glad we're on friendly terms again, aren't you, dear? Yes, and I only hope it lasts. You know it's silly to carry on a grudge. I remember when Zeb Hawkins and Tom Banner carried on a grudge down Louisiana. What was it about? Well, it seems they both claimed ownership of a scythe that they'd been borrowing back and forth. For three years, they wouldn't speak to each other. Then one day, uh, Jonas Murdoch came along for the scythe. It didn't belong to either Zeb or Tom. <laughs> but they didn't remember that. <laughs> no, they plumb forgot it. <laughs> Tell me, how do you feel? Oh, fine. If I only had more strength, there's so many things I'd like to do. Well, I wish I could give you strength, darling. I wish I could give you everything that you want. There's little I need. You're good and you're kind. That's why I've always loved you so much. I love you very much, darling. And we're going to get you well and strong again. Oh, I don't want you worrying about that, my dear. Tell me, how is the new cabinet? Oh, it's a problem, it's a problem. Men I'd hoped would help me have refused to come in. Crittenden, for instance. I counted on him to be my Secretary of State. He says he can't take the post. Will you find other good men? Yes, I've done so already. But without Crittenden, without other leaders like Clay and Webster, the cabinet is bound to be criticized. You've been criticized before. Sure, but I wasn't president then. When you lost good men in battle, you always found replacements. Yes, my dear, but I knew my soldiers. I don't know politics. You learn. Why, you face so many defeats, yet you've always won. It's become a habit. You can't change it now. Hey, you're a wonder. You, you inspire a man. I try to give you strength, but you're still the one who gives it to me. It seems selfish of me. No, it's selfish of me. But it makes me feel that I'm still of some use in the world to hear you say so. Thank you, Mr. President. No, I must thank you, dear, for the happiness and the help you've always given me. And for your great love. Without that, I'd be nothing. <laughs> What have you there, Bliss? The newspapers, sir. I was just bringing them up to your wife. Oh, you were, were you? Have you read these papers by any chance? Well, only to glance at the front pages. Oh, that's what I thought. Let's go down to my office. Well, of course. Uh, but I, I don't quite understand. I know you don't. You see, I've looked at those papers. You haven't. Come into the office. Shut the door, Bliss. Yes, sir. Now then, I'd like you to look inside this newspaper. Page two. Of course. Down there in the lower half of the column three. Read it. Let's see. This, then, is the ignorant soldier who has been chosen to lead our land. As for his wife, from all accounts, she is a poor white of the wilderness, an illiterate who goes about barefooted as she smokes her corn cob pipe. Why, this is monstrous. Certainly it's monstrous. I don't want my wife to see it. Oh, but it's easy to prove these are stupid lies. How? By explaining to the newspapers that I don't even smoke myself because the smell irritates Peggy's nostrils? By publishing a sworn statement that she wears shoes and always has? No, I, I don't suppose you could do that. Of course not. If I make an issue of this, the opposition will hop on it with delight and make bigger issue of it. Bliss, you and I have been through a lot of battles together. And we've won them all, sir. Sure. But they were fought with good, clean weapons, bullets and arrows and tomahawks. What kind of people are these who fight with mud? 
Politicians and civilians. And dirty fighters. It's hard to fight mudslingers. You can't use bullets and you can't use mud. Well, the outs always plague the party that's in. Yes, and I can take their plague and recover from it. But Peggy can't. She's a sick woman. I'll read every paper hereafter before I bring it to her room. Good. I don't want my wife to hear or read one of these vicious mudslinging lies. Mr. President. Ah, it's good to see you, Mr. Crawford. I was just in to see you, and Blizz told me you'd be out here on the ground. Uh, you pitch horseshoes, of course. Yes, but I thought we were to have a conference. Oh, we are. There's nothing to sharpen the mind like giving the <laughs> the hand a horseshoe to pitch. Oh. Uh, you want the black shoes or the red? The black. But really, I'm not dressed for horseshoes. Well, doesn't call for any special dress. Take off your coat. <laughs> yes, sir. You know, when the world uh, closes in on you, I say it's time to get out the horseshoes. You first. As you wish. Oh, 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 oh. you missed the stake by more than a yard. What kind of a secretary of war have I got anyway? <laughs> I did not list horseshoes among my qualifications for the job. But when I get my pitch and eye back, I'll beat you at it. Oh, you talk a good game, Mr. Crawford. I can spot you two ringers and still drop you. Oh, yeah? Mm -hmm. Watch this one. Oh, a ringer. Well, well, I underestimated you, sir. I should say you did. Perhaps I should spot you the ringers. Oh, let's not get cocky now. Keep your eye on this one. Well, your ringer tops mine. Why, of course it does. <laughs> a battle is never won with one shot. Uh, how does this... Uh, Wrangling in Congress about the rights of the South and the North strike you. I don't like it. Neither do I. Now watch this. Alina. <laughs> the score is seven to nothing in my favor, Mr. Crawford. Yes, sir. Well, I'm happy that you're from the South as I am. I don't want to see Southern rights trampled. Mm, I don't want to see anyone's rights trampled. But I've been elected to serve the United States, Mr. Crawford. United. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll toss first this time. Oh. Uh, misses that time. Well, I won't miss this one. <laughs> Another <laughs> ringer. <laughs> if the northern abolitionists have only contempt for the southern viewpoint, we can expect war and secession. That's defeatism, sir. We're in Washington to serve all of the nation and to keep it together. There's too much sectionalism in the land now. Let's not contribute to it. It's your turn. No. Yes, of course. While I'm president, Mr. Crawford, the union will be preserved. Huh, you missed. Yeah, well, I'll try it again. <laughs> Your aim is bad. Four more points for me. Uh, Eleven to nothing. Uh, I'd like your opinion on another matter, sir. For the past 15 years, I've been counsel and agent for clients who have a claim against the government. Am I in order? You mean, uh, can you, as a cabinet officer, still press your client's claim against the government? Yes. Oh, I don't see why not. Your personal rights haven't been ended by your accepting office. Well, good. You understand I'm not asking for any pay in this case unless my clients win. Yeah, well, I gathered as much. But if it's an honorable claim, there's no reason why you shouldn't go on with it. Now, uh, let me show you how to pitch a horseshoe. 
Just a minute, Bliss. I see you're bringing newspapers up to Peggy's room again. Have you read them carefully? Yes, Mr. President. They're all right for her to read. Oh, though the Daily Union has something you won't like. Is that so? What is it? Uh, reports of a huge sum, almost $200,000, paid to Secretary Crawford by the government. 200000 What for? Well, he's been the agent and counsel for the heirs of George Galfin, an Indian trader who supplied $50,000 worth of goods to the Indians prior to 1773. I see. He did say something about a claim, but, but why so much? Well, this was for interest on the original claim paid uh, last year during your predecessor's administration. Was this approved by Congress? No. No, only by the Attorney General. Oh. And very promptly paid by the Treasury. Bliss, there's stormy weather ahead. Crawford was to be paid only if he won the case. You can imagine what the opposition will make of that. We're in for trouble and plenty of it, Bliss. Have you figured out yet who was president when these events took place? They really happened, you know. Already troubled by newspaper and congressional opposition, the president feared that payment of Secretary Crawford's claim against the government had the makings of a first-class scandal. As usual, he discussed the problem with his wife. Darling, don't get so upset. Secretary Crawford told you he had this claim against the government. I know, I know, but he didn't tell me how big it was. Nor did he mention it was for the interest on the claim that was, that was already played. Well, wasn't Mr. Crawford entitled to a decision, even though he'd become a member of the cabinet? Yes, I think it was a perfectly good claim. But who else will believe it? When Crawford first mentioned it to me, I figured it would be decided on in the, out in the open by Congress, but it wasn't. Only the Attorney General decided on it. Yes, and one man, the Secretary of the Treasury, ordered payment, and with suspicious promptness. I don't know, I don't know. It's like a mirror. See it at one angle and everything looks perfectly clear and straightforward. You view it from another angle and it has strange and disturbing distortions. You could say that of almost any government action. Yes, but if I had known more about the background of this claim before, before a lot of this present trouble may never, never occur. Now I'll be hearing cries of corruption and conspiracy. I've got enough problems in this office already. You'll have to solve them one at a time, dear. If charges are made on this issue, you have a good defense. The truth. But will my enemies believe it? Wait till they learn that Crawford gets almost $100,000 as his personal share of this money. So much. Why, it makes him a rich man. Yes, and it's bound to look suspicious to those who don't know the facts. Then give them the facts. If enemies cry corruption, fight them. You've never been afraid of a fight. No, but this comes at a bad time. My cabinet has been under criticism already. This gives the enemy more ammunition. The general never feared a battle. I'm still the general. This gives... Well, I'll fight him to the last ditch. That's the way I like to hear you talk. My dear, you, you have a faculty for seeing an issue so clearly. Oh, I hear we have more visitors on the yes. White House grounds today. Will you open the window? I'd love to watch them. Oh, of course, my dear. They're all so curious to know how the president lives. Catch sight of him, but not his wife. They keep her head. What a swine. Yeah, they say she's just an old hillbilly. Smokes a corn cob, runs around barefoot. Can't even talk proper know-how. No wonder they keep her head. I won't let you hear another word. By heaven, I'd like to throttle that loudmouth fool and all his kind. So, 
that's what they think of me. Oh, don't believe it, my dear. Nobody with any sense thinks that. I, I wondered what people thought. After all, they don't see me. I've neither the strength nor disposition to entertain. But I hadn't realized what a handicap this must be for you. Oh, fiddlesticks, my dear. You've been the greatest helpmate a man could have. One fool's voice doesn't mean anything. Oh, there must be others. Well, I suppose this is one of the crosses we must bear. I think I'll take a nap. I, I feel tired. All right, my dear. And have a pleasant rest. Oh, Bruce? Yes, Mr. President? Go out and send those people on the grounds away. Uh, well, isn't that rather unusual, sir? I don't care if it is. Tell them my wife is taking a nap. Tell them anything. Only get them out before I do something violent. It's out in the open now. The opposition is having a field day. Well, you knew they would, sir. Yes, but it doesn't set any easy to read these vicious charges. Did you see the Daily Union? Oh, nobody respects its ranting. On the contrary, it has many readers. Well, even they must realize these charges come mainly from the enmity of Editor Ritchie. Perhaps, but it feeds our enemies in Congress when they when they read things like the mission of the present, Im present imbecile and his blundering cabinet is ended. And uh, this new evidence of corruption is conclusive. The cabinet is doomed. Oh, Richie has a poison pen. But he's attacked your cabinet from the moment you named it. I think it's unfortunate Mr. Crawford didn't tell you all the facts on his claim. But you're not personally responsible. When they hit my cabinet, Bliss, they hit me. Well, now, what's the worst that can happen? A congressional investigation. And if there was nothing shady on Crawford's part, as you believe, well, then he and the other cabinet members will be exonerated. I'm not comfortable living with unsolved problems. In the army, Bliss, we made decisions and we acted on them. Something was done. Well, it'll be settled in time, sir, but you must view it impersonally. I must return to the White House. Are you coming back? No, not just yet. I'll walk around a bit more and clear some of the cobwebs from my brain. No, all right. I don't forget, you have a meeting with Mr. Crawford this afternoon. Yes, I remember it. I don't relish the idea. Paper! Paper, mister! Hmm? Oh, why, yes, 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 thank you. Uh, pleasant weather, huh? Well, it'd be better with different people living in the White House. What's that you say? Well, wait till you read that paper. The latest is that the fool in office and his cabinet's robbing us blind. Secretary Crawford takes a cool 200000 from the Treasury and pockets half of it. Well, don't you think that could have been a perfectly good uh, transaction? <laughs> I wasn't born yesterday, mister. I say the president brought Crawford in just to steal this money from us. So maybe he got some of it for himself. Why, you... You don't have much faith in your president, do you? Well, do you? What do you expect when you bring trash into the White House? I hear he's an ignorant soldier and his wife can't even speak English. Is that so? And how did you know all this? Yeah, I read the papers and I hear from plenty of people who know. <laughs> it's easy to put two and two together, Fran. Well, you can't believe everything you read or hear. Would you like to check for yourself? Well, well, what do you mean? Well, I think I can get you in to see the president and his wife. You can? How? Oh, I sort of work there myself. Uh, why not meet the family and judge them for yourself before jumping at conclusions from mere hearsay? Oh, I'm willing. You sure it won't lose you your job? No, I'm not planning on losing it, no. I, uh, you just walk into the grounds about 2 o'clock and I'll meet you at the door. Huh? <laughs> 
shoes today, Mr. President? No, Mr. Crawford, not till you've had a chance to practice up a bit. <laughs> I've asked you here again because this excitement about your claim has caused doubts in many minds. Well, believe me, I had no idea my claim would start such a tempest. If I had, I, I may not have joined the cabinet at all. Settling this claim has meant a great deal of money to me. I know it has. Dang it, man, I can see why the thing looks suspicious. I wish you'd given me more facts in advance. Well, so do I. Did you file for this interest payment during my predecessor's administration, and was your claim refused at the time? It wasn't refused. No action was taken on it. They did pay the principal some, though. Oh, well, if the interest claim wasn't rejected, it's a point in our favor. Did you make this claim up uh, personally with the Secretary of the Treasury? No, I retained Judge Bryan to do it. I didn't want anybody charging I was using personal influence to win payment. I have nothing to hide, sir. My conscience is clear. And I believe you. Your claim was just and should have been paid. The credit and good faith of the government are involved. It wouldn't have been right for me to interfere. All right, Mr. Coffin. We'll give them what they want. We'll invite an investigation. I'm quite willing. And thank you for your fairness. And come to think of it, I've invited another investigation for today. I must see to it at once. <laughs> My dear, this is Mr. Lewis. I invited him to chat with us because we've been misrepresented to him. How do you do, Mr. Lewis? How do you do, ma'am? Jumping catfish. What's the matter? Why, you must be the president. Yes, that's right, that's right. And all them things I said about you. Well, you're a free citizen entitled to free speech. Only I thought you were a little in error. Even a president is human and has feelings. Of course, I can see already that I, I just didn't know what I, I was talking about. Well, Mr. Lewis, most of us are inclined to accept gossip as fact and to pass it on as such. Now, I'm not up to the strain of entertaining, and my daughter must act as hostess. So the word goes out that I'm some sort of a leper who must be hidden away from people. And you will note, sir, that my wife wears shoes, speaks English, and does not smoke a corncob pipe or anything else. <coughs> How could I have been so dunderheaded? Oh, you're both much too kind. I, I don't deserve it. I should have my tongue torn out for them things I well, say. Ah, that's a little drastic, man. If you can change your mind when you find you've been wrong, that's all we ask. Believe me, just one meeting with you folks has changed my mind already. Why, why you're just people like the rest of them. <laughs> why, of course we are. I wish I could bring every citizen here so we could talk things over face to face. I'm sure more people would have faith in their elected officials if they could meet them. You can be sure I'll, I'll tell everyone I know that you're real fine people. Thank you. Thank you very much. I like things brought out in the open. When you have all the facts, you can judge. I hope that someday people will realize that my interests are their own. Instructed Bliss to bring me word the moment the investigating committee makes its decision. Oh, don't pace the floor, dear. Crawford and the others must be exonerated. I'm not too sure. There are five Democrats and only four Whigs on the committee. Peggy, if party politics rule, we're in trouble. The people asked you to be president. The people will judge. Come in, come in. Mr. President, with one. What? Crawford and the others are exonerated. Oh, thank heaven, thank heaven. Now the people can have faith in their president. They've always had it. 
Sometimes it takes a crisis to realize what we have. I think the whole nation must recognize now that they chose an honest and courageous man for office when they voted for Zachary Taylor. <laughs> Be with us again next week, won't you, for another interesting story that happened in Washington a few years ago to Mr. President. Until then, goodbye. Ted DeCorsia speaking. This is the United States Armed Forces Radio Service, the voice of information and education. <laughs>